What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Fire Talk here with the It's Lit Reviews team. I'm Jake, joined by Matt, Cole, Adam, Bailey, otherwise known as B-Dog, apparently, because she decided she was going to change her name on the Zoom today. Aaron and Ron, who can't show up on time, apparently, according to his name tag. So uh, today we are diving into all things, I think, like, you know, parachute pantsy and disco. I think that's the age of disco. Is the big 70s, hair. Disco is the 70s. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it, was, it was all before my time anyway. <laughs> but we're diving okay, into you had, you had the parachute today. pants, though. That was yeah, a good you, one. You were good with parachute pants. Hey, batting 500, I'll take it. You know, it's, that's, that's like all-star MVP level for uh, Major League Baseball. But I'll take it. So we are diving into our favorite 80s movies today because, you know, it's still COVID, which means there's still mm. not a whole lot of entertainment news happening out there crazy mm-hmm. uh although fun fact for everybody before we get started jurassic world the third part i don't know what it's called yet uh, dominion? dominion yep yeah dominion oh, started filming again sam neil tweeting out that he was putting on the hat again his favorite hat as he so called it in his uh, instagram post it does nice. it makes me happy seeing sam neil in that hat i got i can't lie to you guys uh yeah so really excited does he about not that. wear that hat all, i mean he should wear that hat all the time like just he should i mean like he, it can't make him look worse. Like he, he's he looks uh, great in the hat. <laughs> Is Jurassic it's like Park Indiana Jones, the Indiana Jones shirt? Like you can't. It always looks great, and you're never gonna complain about it. Yep. It, no, Is Jurassic right. Park really gonna be the same with Hollywood unable to shoot sex scenes? Though I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they'll shoot sex scenes. They'll just like Lysol or like whatever that like hazmat suit spray them down afterwards. <laughs> and then yeah, they have to quarantine for 14 days in no, between. The, the official Hollywood guidelines are they cannot shoot sex scenes right now because it's too much like prolonged close contact between actors. Can't they uh, edit out masks or something afterwards? Like, well, they're talking they about just out like a mustache. They're talking about just like CGIing sex scenes. So, oh, yeah, because wow. that would look good. Wow. I feel like that's a step too far. Like, I'd almost rather not. <laughs> yeah, I should not do that. All right, but first we didn't. First of all, like there shouldn't be any <laughs> in Jurassic Parks. <laughs> so let's go let's start with that. <laughs> Listen, shirtless Jeff Goldblum Let the is T-Rex hot get some. Okay, Jeff Goldblum's like 75 right now. I don't think shirtless 75 <laughs> Jeff hot, Goldblum. Like... He's still lean. I bet he's built underneath that weird suit he wears on those apartment.com. Yeah, I mean, Harrison Ford hey, is like Hey, do you guys think Sam Neill wears his hat and... with his wife? Oh. <laughs> Do you think yes. he left? The answer not? is yes. Back to my point. Harrison Ford is like he's 112, like, hey, baby, I'm gonna and put he still looks damn good hat. in Call of the Wild. So. Oh, Harrison There's Ford! There's gonna be some CG with that, buddy. There's <laughs> some CGI with that. Come on. This is they the put a, They put a CGI dog in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I opened up this can of worms. Uh, you see, you know. All right, back to our regularly scheduled programming here. I mean, that was really my Mine's fault. Mine's meat gutter. Too. No shit. I'm Jesus. the one who derailed that. Sorry. Hey, <laughs> man. Man, we've right. lost all of the viewers that we did have. <laughs> <laughs> no. Everybody listening to this podcast for the first time just tuned in and just went, what the fuck? This is the kind of content <laughs> that people want. <laughs> Either that or we're like getting on the wrong list. Yeah, T-Rex sex. Yeah, that's what we all want. Make sure we keyword that. <laughs> They're like, I gotta get a hat like that. Where, where can I get a Sam Neill hat? There's going to be a hat out there that says, make the T-Rexes have sex again. <laughs> oh, wow. 
All right. So, uh, so <laughs> before we before we got sidetracked there terribly, eighties <laughs> movies have nothing to do with Jurassic Park, unfortunately. <laughs> nope. Uh, so we're talking through our, our favorite eighties movies today. We're going to go in fairness to Matt because I apparently quote unquote did him dirty on the last podcast by making him go last. Uh, I believe it. We're going to, we're going to reverse the order this time. So Adam's going to go last instead. Uh, we're talking favorite eighties movies. We're starting with Ron. Ron, let us know what it is, why it's your favorite and let us all oh. tell you why it's terrible. <gasps> Jake, you can eat your words, man. I mean, maybe it's Ron. It's terrible. I was, I didn't even look at it. I didn't even know what his movie okay. is. I'm just saying it's Ron. Uh, okay. It's a 50, 50 chance. It's a bad movie. It's true. <laughs> that is true. I originally was going to go with the breakfast club, but I think I'm going to have to go with the Goonies because you I, I can't steal mine. Oh, <laughs> the eighties, the 80s probably has the best movies out of any decade, maybe as a whole. You got Star Wars, you got know. all the Indiana Jones movies, you, you got missed the, Goonies, the 90s you got... talk last week, dude. Yeah, the I'm 90s say, were pretty yeah, loaded. No. I think the I 80s mean, is more stacked, though. No way. Thanks. Be- Thanks, Adam. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll go into this in yeah. the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Gremlins because it has some of the most rewatchability. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> You're just getting tossed off of this podcast right now. <laughs> yeah. You cannot do that. Wait, this. wait. Did I say Goonies? I meant to say Gremlins the first time. My bad. Either you said way. Gremlins. Oh, no. Gremlins the whole time. It's Gremlins. It's Gremlins, all right? And I'm just there with Gremlins. Muted. Uh, <laughs> does anybody else have a problem with the fact that he just stole not one, but two? Two. <laughs> I mean, After Bailey, I'm just saying now you know how it his. feels. Shut up! Like the man comes back after being off for three weeks and can do nothing else but steal shows. Uh, for, I would expect nothing less from Ron. For our listeners out there, we we have uh, we have our group chat that Ron had decided the Breakfast Club in prior, uh, and he knew everybody else's movies, so he knew Cole had chosen Goonies and Bailey had chosen Gremlins, and decided instead he was. Gonna Talk about both of those movies. Hey, if you're in the chat, that doesn't mean he read it. That, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I did. No. I did not, not read it. He read it. There was there was malicious intent. Also, Aaron, there was multiple things said after we said that that he said. I know he read it. <laughs> I got on Slack for the first time in a month, and it said I have over 200 plus messages. I believe that. I believe that. I, I do too. I did oh. not read everything. So, so Ron, we're going to force you to stick to the Breakfast Club. What made you <laughs> That sounds really fair. I'm so glad. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, okay, what, so, so what made you type? What made that come to mind though? That was your first gut reaction. Okay, so you know I'm always hey, transparent hey, on this on this thing, right? So, I'm going to be honest with you. I forgot her name. What what the hell's her name? Molly Ringwald. Molly yeah, Ringwald. Molly Ringwald. Yeah. I fucking love her. That's why I like the Breakfast Club so much. Clearly don't Pretty love her big. that much. I know. I forgot her <laughs> name, man. I mean, she's not in like any new movies, so I forget about it. But Pretty and Pink. She's on the DW 16. show. I don't watch what? CW. Who's got time for that? Yeah, she's on Riverdale. <laughs> she's on Riverdale. Wait, what? Yeah. I she's Archie's mom. mom. I Archie. did not know that. Huh. I mean, she, where were they going to find she goes hand in hand? Old enough to be his mom. 
That's true. Guys, 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 16 Candles is good, and I also like the soundtrack. Don't You Forget About Me is a fucking fantastic song. That is true. That's iconic. That's mm-hmm. iconic. So those are reasons why. And I think I mean, that's it the, made la- it into the latest first 80s perfect, movie I, so. I watched. I literally watched it like three weeks ago. So I mean, to be honest, she's she's in almost every John Hughes movie from the 80s anyways, and they that's go true. like hand in hand. And it's all Sheer classic. It's all good. Upset. John Hughes and Molly Ringwald, classic pairing, like uh, Tim Burton and Helena Bonham Carter. Yikes. Yeah, but those people lived in separate houses and they were married, so... <laughs> Tim Burton and Helena Bonham Carter? Yeah, we don't need to get yeah, into Yeah, they had separate houses for each other. I yeah, mean, it was probably the T-Rexes. Of, that's kind of the dream, though, isn't it? <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> Just live close oh. enough to preach in my oven when I'm on my way home from work. It's all... <laughs> <laughs> play mario kart with me you know right so the breakfast club because of molly ringwald is at the end of your argument because i had many more points yeah. to that movie yeah, yeah. Than I, yeah. I mean there's so many good points to that <laughs> well let's hear them man what do you got what you got i mean I'm personally going back to last week when we talked about meme ability one of my favorite memes out there right now is people is like the uh breakfast club scene where they're dancing in the library but it's set to the weekend's uh blinding lights like I love Net. it every every time I yeah. see it, I'm just like, yep, yeah, yeah, I feel this. <laughs> That's another no. thing is that movie teaches so many life lessons, and it's just it, I think every coming of age person should watch that movie. Agreed. Agreed. But like, but like also maybe like mid to late high school or early college. Like, don't watch it when you're 14 because it'll like send the wrong message. Why? Why can't a 14 understand the concepts? Right. I don't there's know about a, that. There's a lot deeper stuff, and clearly they're all later in high school when they're in that movie. So they're like, think about what you knew at 18, think about what you knew at 14. Well, what of what you do at 18? You no, not you a, didn't. You do Ron. the same thing? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's no, still 18. Yeah. Can you tell? <laughs> every emotion. Like you get the teen angst, you know, you've got the, you've got the rebel who has his parent tr- like trauma at home. You've got the princess who's always expected to be perfect. You know, you've got the jock kid who thinks that, like, everyone thinks that's all there is to him. I just think that that movie, like, it's funny, it's sad, it's dark, it's light. You know, they're just having a dance montage for no reason. It's an 80s movie. Like, because, yeah, because the 80s. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. the 80s. You know, Emilio Estevez. Everyone is really high on coke. Right. <laughs> there's, there's a whole 80, 80s movie just dance montage. That, that's not limited to the 80s either. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with everything you just said. My only thing is 14 and 15 year olds start to go through that too, you know? So, but True. everyone's living situations are different. So I, I can see what you're saying. That's it's not really, true. that's really not an arguable point. It's each their own, but I that's, agree with everything okay, you just said. Fair, yeah, I, agree I think if you're, trying, I think if you're trying to remain well-balanced, there's some real dark stuff in that movie for, for people I, who yeah. are, who, who haven't experienced it yet. So there's a relatable I agree with that. For like sheltered people, they might, it might be tough. It might bring up some conversations they're not ready to yeah, have. Yeah, I agree with that. Those homeschoolers. Those home- <laughs> I honestly think every, <laughs> Those Yeah, I think honestly every um every high school movie that has come out since then has pulled some aspect of oh, absolutely. The Breakfast Club. 100%. Yeah, I mean if it's not the type of characters that are played, it's some of the storyline or it's an exact scene that they recreate just for a I little mean, throwback. Those mm-hmm. characters pretty much are your characters in every high school movie. Yep. Since then. Like, yeah, any meaningful character anyway. Like like to 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 Aaron's point of like you have like your jock who like wants to prove there's more to him than just being sports. Like if you have a sports movie around a high school athlete, that's like all they're focused on. 
I mean, hashtag like, Zac Efron basketball. I was gonna say even like <laughs> I was. That's exactly what I was gonna bring up. Is High School Musical. It's like even like your Disney Channel original movies are copying things from that movie. So yeah. I mean, you're you're talking about like everybody's following the template that they set forward there. Yeah, it's one of those movies that like it has uh, what the internet refers to as the Seinfeld effect. Uh, where like people who are discovering it now are like, oh, this is just a bunch of cliches, but it's because it is what established those things. All those cliches. Them into it's the cliches. original cliche. <laughs> yeah. Not to be confused with the uh, Mandela effect. No, that's a totally different thing. Interesting, <laughs> interesting point to your Mandela effect. With my movie, I have, I feel like I have a Mandela effect with that movie. But oh, oh, oh all right, we're gonna get to that. Matt, you're up next. What's what's your movie? Uh, my favorite '80s movie is Clue. I love yes, Clue. It I really me. do. It's it's my it's it's my type of humor right there. I like, love Clue. It is just one of those movies where like every single line is hilarious. Like mm-hmm. everything is like put together perfectly. The cast is incredible. Like there's, there's very wrong few with times they're not all in the same scene, which is like very difficult to do. Like if you think about the box episodes of television, where like they didn't have enough money to film outside of the room, and it's one of the best episodes of the seasons. Mhm, mhm. And think again, my, casting. Uh, oh yeah, the casting is great. I think my favorite part about Clue is honestly, like I I felt like when they made it, they were not trying to make a good movie. They were trying to make a comedic, fun. well-timed, fun movie. Like they weren't mm-hmm. trying. I mean, it's it's a farce. It's not yes. like there's nothing serious about this movie. Yes, if you go into it thinking it's gonna be like a serious murder mystery based off of like the board game, you're gonna be sadly like upset about it because it's yeah. that's not what it's supposed to be. But it is. It's it's very slapstick. It's very timing oriented humor. It reminds me a lot of uh, <laughs> Who's on First with like uh, Adam Costello. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's no, very I mean, much what the humor type is. To your point, Jake, about this not being a serious murder mystery, like. There are three different endings at the end of this movie that all make sense with the movie that came before, which would be terrible for a serious murder mystery. Like, yes. <laughs> and for our, I don't know, our listeners who like can find this DVD somewhere if they haven't seen it yet. On the DVD, you can you can pick to watch all of the endings, or you can pick to be surprised, and it will pick one of the three or four. Three endings. Three. So like, you, yeah, three. You might yeah. need so to it'll explain pick one DVDs. For you, or you can watch all <laughs> at the end. So like. It's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure novel towards the end. Yeah, what is this ancient technology you DVD. It's the thing that what? came before Blu-ray and HD DVD, which had such a short, short life. R.I.P. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's a Blu-ray? Everything's on digital. Man. Oh, my gosh, Ron. You're <laughs> not that old. 4K. We watch yeah, things on Netflix. There weren't even DVDs then, guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we watch things on Netflix and HBO Max. Get with the times. <laughs> Ouch, excluding Disney Plus. If, it, if it's not the Snyder Cut, it doesn't exist. Oh, jeez. Oh, you know, I'm that human that has, like, the dual DVD VHS player because I just won't let go. <laughs> My grandma still has one of those, too. Great. She and I would along really well. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing, Jake. We have one. We don't have a, we don't have a DVD player or a VHS player. Yeah, we have a dual <laughs> one are... in the bedroom. We have a Blu-ray player. No, hey it's man, a dual what? One. I don't. What does so. Elsa say? Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Oh jeez. Let it go. But anyway, Clue is wonderful. Tim and Curry is a national treasure. <laughs> in the in, in, in Britain. 
So I'm gonna tie. <laughs> I'm gonna tie my He's favorite. a global treasure. <laughs> I can't unhear I him. I think you meant to say national treasure, Madeline Kahn. I mean, oh, also. Or and Home Alone too. So, like the man runs the gamut. Okay, like he's he's like doctor. Yeah. <laughs> he's a treasure. Like, yeah. Also, just Madeline Kahn is wonderful. Men should be like Kleenex, soft, strong, and disposable. Flames <laughs> on the side of my face. Flames, flames on the sides of my face. That movie's wonderful. <laughs> All right, we're going to stop you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Quote the whole thing. Yeah. All right. Wait, wait, sorry. Yeah. In, in the most interesting of tie-ins, I'm going to say that my movie has some, some interesting comedic elements too, um, but not any way, shape, or form in a similar type of movie. I'm choosing 1989's Batman. Uh, wow, I'm shocked. I know, right? I, yeah. I had to. I mean, I'm. I, no way. You didn't have to. Yeah, my, yeah, my background. And then I'm trying <laughs> to show you guys. You didn't have to. I'm trying to show oh, you guys my pajama funny. pants. I'm good. No. Yeah. Out so. of all the movies, that's what you go with. I did because right. I mean, to be it's fair, it's not even the best Batman. Okay. No. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hold up now. There's a whole, there's a whole generation of people to whom this Batman is like the icon, like the definitive Batman. Must it right. rewind well, yourself? My... And then there's a whole that's generation not... of other people who've never seen it. Rewind <laughs> yourself to 2008. Right. That's, not, that's not my generation, right? And I want you to remember when they first cast Heath Ledger as the Joker in The Dark Knight, and people were in an uproar talking about how he could never be as good a joker as Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholson. Nicholson, Nicholson. sorry. Yeah, Nicholas, Jack Nicholas, Nicholas is, is the golf GA player. I, keep, I always confuse those two. You're honestly. doing great work. Right, but then he was better. So, I mean, he was. Our, <laughs> but then he was but they were very different jokers, too. But yeah, so they're, they're very different iterations of the character. And so the thing that I like about this movie so much is that it was, I mean, really up to that point, like the first successful comic book movie if you think about it like it took the it took batman in the direction as ron has argued many many times over that dc should go like in the darker direction and it made it a yeah. very serious film it made although jack nicholson brought a kind of like i said it was kind of like that it was a comedic craziness to the joker uh, because he had the very gangster like he did some funny things but at the same time you were like terrified of him all the while watching the movie that's the movie that I really remember watching. Like I can still, I haven't watched that movie in probably three, four years. And I can still tell you, like, I can still remember it start to finish like scene for scene because it is that impactful for me. And it made me fall in love with the character of Batman. I do still think that Michael Keaton is the best Batman. So. Oh, take it back. <laughs> I don't know. We have if a new thing to fire. fight about. <laughs> um, I will say I really like like with with these Batmans like with this like iteration of Batmans I think they did a really good job of like keeping it just campy enough like it needed to be a little campy to keep that comic book feel with the yep, bright exactly. color and like mm -hmm. the obscurity and the you know there's a little bit of like cliche stuff in it but it was cliche to comic books and they were trying to transpose that whereas a lot of the more modern ones went very modern with it and you could actually see it happening on the streets today which i think for the time when those were being released was important but you know for if you're trying to do, make create something for an artistic value 
for art's sake, like having that campiness is great. It's why some of these shows, like I think those really paved the way for some of these shows that we don't talk about. Apparently everyone on this podcast hates the CW except for Matt. But <laughs> like some of these other campier shows are, you know, like they went really dark with Riverdale. It's dark and it's campy. Mm -hmm. They went that way with the Nancy Drew that they did. They went that way with a couple other things. And I think that that really opened the door. And if that hadn't happened first, there wouldn't be this resurgence now. Yep. And then they added bat nipples and took it too far. Oh, yeah. but George is so much hotter than Michael Keaton. Yeah, but he's it ain't about can't hotness argue, when you want that character. You can't argue that he's a good Batman, though. At least in that movie. No. I mean, he might have been had he gotten, like, a better cut at it, but, like, that whole script from start to finish was hot garbage. Christian Bale's <laughs> my favorite. Sorry. Agreed. See, George, George Clooney embodies the, the problem with superhero casting in general, I feel like, which is that you have to get both the secret identity and the hero and, like, nail both aspects, and mm -hmm. that's very rare to actually see someone do. Yes. Agreed. Mm -hmm. He mostly only played the Playboy part. You couldn't, I couldn't see him. As yeah, like the I mean, guy George Clooney yeah. as Bruce Wayne was was great casting. He did, just didn't ever get Batman. Agreed. Not enough damage. Yep. You guys didn't like the bat nipples? <laughs> no, we did not. I nope. didn't mind them. <laughs> <laughs> two thumbs down from. Two nips down from Cole. Two, is what he's saying. <laughs> two nips down. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Aaron. What's your favorite movie from the eighties? Oh, it's me. Um, well, you said you're going to have honorable mentions, so I won't go into detail on mine. But my favorite movie is The Princess Bride. Um, with an honorable mention for The Breakfast Club and Ghostbusters, because I really loved those two. Um, but as I obviously can't talk streams. about every love forever, because I would need my own podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Uh, the Princess Bride is my favorite. I mean, we've talked about the songs you don't cross stream. Shut up. Um, <laughs> um, so we've talked like I mean, casting for one, like that thing, like it reads, it reads like a who's who of of movies at that time, comedic movies at that time. It's a Rob Reiner film. It's got Fred Savage. It's got Peter Falk, who no one really knew that he was kind of funny because he was mostly just Columbo at that point, as far as I know. Um, also, it was the year I was born, which was pretty cool. I've always liked it for that reason. Uh, <laughs> Carrie Elway is hot. Robin Wright, not 10 yet, was like 19 years old when she did that movie. You had a major sports star of Andre the Giant in there. Um, you know, Inigo Montoya. Manny Patinkin is like one of the most talented humans ever, but he's very unsung for the most part. Like until mm -hmm. Homeland, people really kind of forgot about him when he like is awesome in both like stage and screen. Um, Billy Crystal, National Treasure, one of my favorite humans of all time. I mean, it's just a wonderful movie. We talk about quotable movies, memeable movies. Both of those things are true. I'm forgetting the name of the guy who plays, um, God, it's been a long day. The guy who plays the Sicilian. But he's also wonderful. Oh, uh, Wallace Shawn. Yes, Wallace yep. Shawn. I mean, one of the best character actors over time. Um, so just just wonderful based on a book the book have you guys ever read the book it's it's difficult I to have. get through because it's very conversa it's a conversational book it just goes well, all over the map so i was really thrown when i read it but it 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 breaks the fourth wall from a reading yeah, standpoint as, constantly you have no idea as an what english, you're reading most of the time. as an english major i i love what he did with that book because it's very like it's a very self-aware in terms of how it's written and like he is very conscious and deliberate about like leaving aspects of the story out and 
Yeah. It, it's just so it's, fascinating. It, so it sounds it like- It kind of reads like Peter Falk tells the story when he's reading it to his grandson, where there's just like chunks of time where he forgets where you were, or they start talking about like, all right, you're tired. I'm going to go home. I'll come back tomorrow. Like it breaks your focus like that when you're reading it. Um, but I just think that movie is wonderful. And when I was trying to decide between that and The Breakfast Club for today, my staff and I quoted that movie for 10 full minutes on my sales floor with a headset. And that's what solidified my decision. <laughs> also, I've threatened to make the marriage speech at like the last, like anybody I know from college who got married, I've threatened to make that speech at their wedding because we watched that movie ad nauseum in college. So what I'm understanding is that that book is what paved the way for Deadpool to, to break the fourth wall as much as he does. Because if you read any of the Deadpool comic books, it does that all the time where he'll start in one panel and he'll like start telling you a story and he's like, well, let me just show you instead. And then it like flashes back like into the middle of his story, acts it out for the next six panels. And then he picks up the storytelling again, where he, where he was like at before. And he's like, now you're caught up. <laughs> Even more confusing than that. Oh, geez, Sometimes he's talking terrifying. directly to you as the author. Sometimes there's times where he's just like okay. the author talking to himself. So just to give you an idea. So the premise of the novel is that this guy had this book that he loved as a kid, The Princess Bride, uh, that his dad or grandpa or somebody would read to him all the time. Uh, and so when he was older, he went and found his own copy because it was really hard to find. And what he discovered was that his grandpa had cut out all the boring parts of the book to make it more exciting for him as a kid. And so he doesn't like <laughs> all these the boring parts. parts. Uh, so he doesn't gotcha. like all the boring parts. So he, like, he has made this abridged version of the book that's just the exciting stuff and he'll like talk about like how he went to the country that is not actually real uh that the book is written in and like <laughs> went to all these places it's a weird book but it's really good it's bananas b-a-n-a-n-a-s oh you had to gwen stefani i did cole what's your favorite 80s movie all right um so my favorite is the Goonies. You know, Ron already gave it away right from hey, the beginning. But, you guys. Um, exactly. Hey, you guys. And the truffle shuffle. Gotta do the truffle. Goonies do the truffle shuffle. Out. I'm not doing the truffle shuffle right now. Quit. <laughs> <laughs> but I have done it in the past. So, um, no, I, I love that Spielberg wrote it and produced it and it was done by his uh, company. And then Richard Donner was the director. I mean, I don't know if you guys know Richard Donner in the 80s. He was basically the guy. He did all Lethal Weapons. He did Lady Hawk, all that. I mean, Richard Donner is just um, a great 80s director. He's done some stuff post-80s. It's been okay. But, um, but the 80s was his wheelhouse. The 80s were his heyday. Let's just put all it right. that way. Um, I love the cast. Sean Astin, uh, Corey Feldman. I mean, you could just keep going. Um, and then just... I remember watching that movie. I, I think I stumbled upon it when I was like maybe 10 on TNT, like right at the beginning with the car chase. And man, I was hooked. And, um, and then every time I saw it on TV, I'd watch it. And then finally, when I was old enough to buy it on DVD, I bought it. And at one point I had two copies of the DVD because I thought I lost the previous copy. And I needed <laughs> another copy for the collection. So I had them side by side, and now I have it on digital, and I can watch it whenever I want with on any device. And wow, uh, it's crazy how good digital is, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, but my Mandela effect that I was talking about. There's a scene at the end that's cut out where they are supposed to fight a uh, octopus, and I can swear that I have seen that movie with the octopus part at the end. 
and I I don't know. I just Can't I feel like I've there. seen it. It's not there. They, it even says like in on the page that they cut it out because it was just too much. Huh. Uh, just too much stuff. They had multiple scenes that they did that they just cut out because it was just too long and they had too much stuff. But I swear in my life I have seen the octopus cut of the Goonies. <laughs> um, but it doesn't. Did exist, you maybe so illegally download at some point? Like that's like I, the Korean version. <laughs> Is it on YouTube? Is it the deleted scenes version of a DVD? It might be the deleted scenes, but... So for those of our listeners who might not know, the Mandela effect is like when something from the past has been changed so that it's not the way you remember it being in the past. Uh, and Like Nelson like, Mandela being dead when he wasn't dead. Or uh, the, the big one that a lot of people are familiar with is the fact that it's not the Bernstein Bears, S-T-E-I-N, the Bernstein Bears, S-T-A-I-N. It's not. Uh, it's, it's not. It's Bernstein. It's, not. it's Bernstein. They're liars. <laughs> yes, I feel agreed. like it has to be a lie. I swear I have those books somewhere. But yeah, everyone, like, everyone thinks that it's the E-way, but it's the A, it's spelled the A-way in every, like, picture and every book you can find. Uh, so the idea <laughs> behind that is that, like, either like a parallel universe or like time someone travel. time traveled and changed something. Sure. There's a lot of ideas, but that's the general idea behind the Mandela effect. So Cole's, yeah. Cole's saying that he has seen somebody at some point in time change the Goonies DVD cut to remove the occupied <laughs> scene. Yeah. And, and then Maybe that's deliberately. It might have been like a butterfly yeah. effect thing. They changed yeah. something else and that was the result. And that's a whole gonna... other thing we can't get into. I'm just going to take this opportunity to hijack this conversation and talk Uh-oh. about my movie because it ties, no, 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 it, Adam, it I'm ties, not done yet. I'm it not ties done perfectly yet. into this though. Uh oh, oh, the the Mandela right. effect. No, yeah, you know, kind of, and the issues with involving time travel and how you can change the future and. Oh, uh, I see. Which is one point twenty one gigawatts. One point twenty one gigawatts. I'm going back to the nice. future, baby. <laughs> <laughs> which makes zero sense if you think about it. You can't go back to the future. Sure, you can. Yeah, he goes you back, can't, back to the future before you can go back to the future. Which is the whole point. <laughs> he, he was sent to the past accidentally. Now he has to get back to the future where he's from. Adam, I'm really what glad you're about in the two. Oh. Because my favorite oh, part about this movie is, is the <laughs> fact. How it shaped time travel and our oh. understanding and thought process behind time travel for the next three decades. No, that's until, not my favorite part. Until Marvel came along and was like, yeah, everything you thought about time travel, think about it this way. Can it I just take a second you? and say that Back to the Future 2 is better than the original? Oh, there it is. There. Uh, I knew this was going to come yeah, up. You know, I don't I've heard know. about you. I wasn't aware someone could be that wrong. But... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our world, Aaron. Welcome. Guys, this kills me, but I don't know that he's wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't no. either. Yes. I really enjoy the second one a little bit more. No. Just a little bit. No, the first one is better. First one is I better. Mean, I've, no. I'm on the record. Podcast the second record, one embodies the, the best film trilogy. of the first one with the storyline of the second one. Yeah, he's kind of got a point. He has to go but back have and have both bad. movies at the same time. It's but so much better. Time, the third one's trash. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> yeah, the second whoa. one's amazing. This t- third one is still fun, but it's definitely the not the same level. Trash. It's for fun. Film. It's kind of like the third mummy movie. Like at that point, they were just like, ah, fuck it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm still I'm still on the record though saying this is the best trilogy of all time. So we had that in the podcast a couple months ago. Okay. And I still think that. Let's not so. say that ever again, Cole. All right. <laughs> okay, Star Wars, <laughs> calm down. 
But what also, I was also real say, quick because this ties both of you together. This ties Cole's and Adam's choices together. I feel like this is one of those movies where there are seventeen-year-olds walking around in a T-shirt from Target with a picture on it, and they don't really—they've never actually seen yeah. the movie. Yep. It's like those people who meet the kids from the Sandlot and they're wearing a Sandlot t-shirt and they take a picture with them because they don't know who they are. Like, that's funny to me. And I feel like that's true of both of these movies. Yep. Yeah, I think that's definitely yeah. true. I mean, I, I was, know people in my life that have never seen any of the Back to the Future movies and I still can't believe I'm friends with them. <laughs> that's just I sad. tried to show it to my 12-year-old niece when we were in the Outer Banks. Matt and I were in the Outer Banks and we got about like 15 minutes into it and she goes, I don't think I get it. And she left the room to go swimming. And then the, the uh, seven-year-old comes in and made me explain the whole plot 45 minutes into the movie. She's like, who is that? Why is he there? What are they doing? I don't get it. Because she, she's got no concept of time travel because she's seven. And that's not a thing that's depicted anymore. It was intense. That went very sideways from what I was going to say my favorite part about Back to the Future was. And that's oh, John, John Mulaney has a stand-up bit about Back to the Future and trying to pitch that in the board meeting and just uh, like seen literally, that if you haven't it's seen great. it, like just just go watch Google or YouTube John Mulaney Back to the Future I mean, pitch. Really, and he's a hundred percent on point. <laughs> really, just go watch every John Mulaney special until you find it because it's all it's worth it. It's all, worth it's all gold. Very it's worth all it. gold. It is. All right, so Bailey, Adam, Adam hijacked your spot. I'm sorry, babe. Uh, sorry. But, it, uh, it was a good segue, and it helped me get out of the last spot. I th- I'm gonna say he did it. He did it for selfish reasons, and right. I'm just, sure Matt bribed him for revenge. It's just karma. That's all I'm <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead and give us your favorite '80s movie. I don't know if I want to now. Okay. All right, then we'll wrap up the no. podcast. No. I can do it. <laughs> no. Ron already pitched it. You bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. You bastard. Yep. <laughs> uh, that just means life. you had a good choice. That's going to be the title for the podcast today is just You Bastard. You Bastard. <laughs> Gremlins is my favorite. It's got an adorable little creature and it's considered a horror film. Yeah, I don't understand and why. And a Christmas movie all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure it made a generation of children terrified of Furbies. So, <laughs> all right. If you're not terrified of Furbies, though, you don't have to watch Gremlins. You should be terrified of Furbies. My that sister had a Furby, and that thing used to talk in the dark. Food in the middle of the night. I'm just saying. I had a Furby. It would only cry from the dresser drawers. I kept it because it was freaking weird. At like middle of the night, it'd be like, ah. I'm like, no, we gotta go. We gotta go. We That's because it's it's really real. Also, I never even saw Gremlins, and I was still scared of it. Like, I yep. didn't, I, honestly, to this day, I don't think I've seen Gremlins. Sorry, Bailey. I've got, <gasps> you've got one on me. That's <gasps> why I named it's, my cat Gizmo. It's right well, up I know, with, that's the only reference I know that whole movie. That and you don't get them wet. That's it. It's right oh, up no, there's there way Chucky. more. Yeah. I can't say anything because I forgot Molly Ringwald's name, so... <laughs> 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 I think Gremlins it, honestly has one of the most, like, crazy like depressing like stories in there just kind of gets thrown away though when they're talking i don't remember the uh the supporting actress uh the love interest of the main guy Uh, are you talking about what happened to her dad yeah that's terrible honey the The man gets nothing to do with that but that's what i'm saying that's what he's saying that they just threw threw in this this depressing subplot that has no purpose to the rest of the film 
Yeah, this just, dad you're is... halfway through it. You're like, what the hell is going to happen? And she's like, my dad died on Christmas coming on the chimney. And you're like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and then nothing else happens after that. A hundred percent. She's like, he got stuck on Christmas Eve coming down the chimney and he died there. And it's like, we're not going to talk about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> we don't right. have time. Also, that's dark all right of that. that. <laughs> <laughs> what grown man tried that for fun? <laughs> Apparently her dad. I mean, it was the 80s, so again, cocaine. Oh, right, there it is. <laughs> All right, uh, well, we, we want to thank you all for joining us today to hear about our favorite 80s movies. If you have your own favorite 80s movies, please hit us up. Uh, DM us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're happy to uh, acknowledge your choices, give you a shout out on the next podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you, you like our pages. Again, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the other ones at this point are kind of irrelevant because if you're following us on those three, you're probably following us everywhere. And until next time, enjoy your quarantine streaming.